You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, host of Food for the Future, a weekly podcast that brings the humanities to today's food dialogue by showcasing everyday people trying to make a difference. This show is part of the series Our World, featuring stories from agri-food leaders who spend their lives contributing to unity for humanity. Today, we're speaking with Jill Crossway, coordinator of conservation biology for Southwestern Ontario, about her work and World Wetlands Day coming up on February 2nd. Welcome, Jill. Thanks so much, Peggy. I'm happy to be here. It's wonderful to have you here. And Jill, you, your role with the conservation biology is through Nature Conservancy of Canada. You're located in southwestern Ontario, but affiliated with the national organization who's doing wonderful things. Can you tell us a little bit about the Nature Conservancy of Canada? Yeah, uh, the Nature Conservancy of Canada is a country's leading non-profit private land conservation organization. So what we do is look to protect critical ecosystems and habitat for vulnerable species. And we do this through partnerships with government, communities, industries, and individuals. And we are a non-profit and we are not a government organization. So we are always looking for donations and, and of either time or land from private and corporate and other individuals. I think that's really great to know because a lot of people around this time of year are looking for where to support. Budgets maybe have gone well and they're looking for places to make a difference. And Nature Conservancy of Canada is one of them. And of course, you also mentioned land. So uh, we're talking about wetlands today, have that space to revitalize the wetlands and do other things. So absolutely wonderful. And what range of initiatives? It's Canada-wide. So it's, it's, it's executed locally. You're here from Southwestern Ontario, but it's national. Nature Conservancy of Canada, obviously with that name. What range of activities and initiatives are involved with the work that you do? So we're really focused on protecting and restoring ecologically important lands and waters, and we use a few different mechanisms for that. So the primary way we do it is through land securement or land conservation. So we purchase or we receive donations of land, and then we protect them in perpetuity like forever uh, for conservation. And we can sometimes help landowners apply for conservation mm -hmm. easements, which are a way for individual landowners to apply a conservation status to their land, effectively protecting it. It remains in their ownership, but it restricts what you can do. And that stays on the, the title of the land for perpetuity as well. So it stays privately owned, but there's only certain things you can do with it. So it's managed for conservation. And when it comes to conserving land, obviously acquiring it is the beginning. Often the land is disturbed and stewarding it into the future is also really important, managing it for the long term. So every property that we protect is monitored and managed so that the ecosystems are maintained and species can thrive. And that might be doing something active, like restoring an agricultural field or removing invasive species, or it could mean leaving it alone because it's in good shape. We might also be monitoring for species at risk, managing a trail so that people can come enjoy it, installing signs so they know, you know what to expect there, planting native species. There's a whole range of things that are involved in that stewardship. We were started in 1962, and since then, we've worked with partners to help protect more than 15 million hectares across Canada, um, including in Ontario as well. And down here in southwestern Ontario, we're quite active. Wow. Since 1962 and 15 million hectares across the nation, that's that's a huge impact. If listeners were interested in just finding out more, how, how do they find out more about the process that you just described around this still privately owned, but in perpetuity um, conservancy? So whether that's wetlands or 
or other uh, biodiversity protection? Uh, probably the best thing they could do would be to email us. They can contact us uh, in Ontario. It's Ontario at natureconservancy.ca um, and go to our website. You can read a little bit more about what we do and some of our, our programs there. Um, and also, depending on where you are, you can find the right contact from, for your area. Um, so depending on what kind of land you have and where you are, it might be something different. You know, we, we do prioritize certain areas um, and areas where we know we can we can have an impact, where we have a, a focus. Um, and there might be different mechanisms, you know, depending on whether you're in northern Ontario or southern Ontario or somewhere else. Right. So there's experts in the geographic region that is being considered and uh, makes sense. You know, it's cooler up north. It's warmer down here. It's windier in some spots and different species aren't living everywhere in Canada. So really, really fantastic. So your specific role is conservation biology and, and it sounds intuitive, but can you explain a little bit more what you do? Yeah, absolutely. It means I have the best job at the organization. <laughs> I got to get to continue doing the uh, the things that I, I love, which is being outside um, and learning and helping native species. So my, my role is mainly around managing conservation properties and kind of looking at what's there, ensuring that they're supporting diverse and appropriate natural habitat, completing species surveys, doing the invasive species removal. Um, one of the best parts is the restoration. If we have an opportunity to look at there's a degraded area, you know, how can we introduce natural native species back to that area um, so that they can thrive there? And it really means kind of planning what makes sense for the property. There's a lot of office work as well, kind of understanding the history of the area, what habitats and species make sense for that area, and how we can get there and then kind of doing the things that make that happen. It really is fascinating um, when you reintroduce the species to an area they've sort of, of left, but they are native to that area, how forgiving nature is, how they find a way to thrive. And they do, you know, set up camp. I have a colleague here in southwestern Ontario who has a badger on his farm. And I remember oh, wow. my dad talking about badgers, and I've never seen one in, in these parts. Um, and yet there's a badger back and um, different species of snakes and turtles and things like that, many other things. What is one of the uh, projects that you have underway right now? Uh, yeah, so we've got a few in southern Ontario right now. Um, one that's really neat is that we're working to protect this large, provincially significant wetland property near Turkey Point, um, which would result in the protection of over 160 hectares of wetlands, uh, which would be a really significant contribution to conservation because of the low quantity of wetlands we have down here in southern Ontario. It's really important to protect those that are left. So really excited about that. We're also working on a few restoration projects like I talked about. We have one near Point Pelee, where we're in the planning stages now. It's a couple of agricultural fields where we'll be doing some wetland creation and planting trees and meadow species as well. And hopefully, you know, in a hundred years, it will be a swamp forest that's as pristine as the rest of the forest on that property. So yeah, those are a couple exciting ones. Um, we are starting to work a little bit more outside of our own land boundaries. In some areas, we, we're starting to come up with recommendations and how we can help other interested landowners um, in, in managing their properties for conservation purposes. We've also started a bit of a invasive Phragmites removal program in some areas. So that's that really big invasive grass you see along highways with the fluffy seed heads. Um, it's one of the worst invasive plants in Canada. It really outcompetes all of our native wetland species. So working at a landscape scale for things like that really makes sense. 
Right, right. And so how does Nature Conservancy of Canada, and specifically your work in conservation biology, relate to agri-food? Well, one of the things that's, it doesn't sound very exciting about ecosystem goods and services. Um, so really there's a lot of things that natural habitats do for us that we don't always think about because we're always thinking about, you know, those direct things that we get out of a, a piece of land. We may not realize that the natural habitat is doing things for us like, um, wetlands are recharging aquifers, so recharging groundwater, they're reducing droughts by holding water and floods as well. They hold water on the landscape longer. Um, they clean water by filtering out toxins and sediments. Um, natural spaces help buffer erosion along waterways. They provide windbreaks so that you don't lose soil in, in windy situations. Um, and another really important thing that they do is support pollinators. A lot of our foods are actually pollinated by native species, and they provide food for those species when they're flowering and you know they're out there collecting the nectar and pollen but they need somewhere to live for the rest of the year as well. So you may not think about that little bee's got to go off and find a hole in the ground in some natural space and then overwinter there. So having natural spaces nearby agricultural lands is actually really important for supporting those pollinators. So they do a lot of things for us, really. So we live in an ecosystem, and you're reminding me of that just as you're talking about how that adds to the overall production of uh, the things that we love to eat. So can you share one of your most rewarding experiences? I'm sure there's many. It's maybe not a fair question. <laughs> it's true. I think really one of the best things is going back to these restored sites in the years following. So I've been with the Nature Conservancy of Canada for 13 years now. And in my first year, I was planting agricultural fields, planting acorns. So you go back and those trees are now, you know, well over my head and there's bird nests in them. Creating habitat and seeing the wildlife come back to that is, is really amazing. We did these salamander ponds on Pelee Island. So we, we worked with researchers who we know there's these endangered salamanders there, breeding habitats, one of those restricting factors for them. We created ponds specifically for them in an agricultural field. We added logs and branches, planted trees around them. And then within two years, there were salamanders breeding in all of them. Wow. So that's, you know, it's really incredible to see that kind of thing, like the, the, the work that you put in actually, you know, bearing fruit in a way in, in the form of, of wildlife using it and, you know, seeing seeing waterfowl breeding in your ponds and, and just, just seeing wildlife come back to areas that were formerly um, pretty bare is really, right. really incredible. Wonderful. You know, you make a difference because you see it there, the little salamanders or, or whatever it is, invasive species being removed and, and the natural flora fl uh, flourishing again. It's, it's fascinating. After the break, we'll discuss World Wetlands Day coming up on February 2nd with Jill Crossweight from the Nature Conservancy of Canada. This is Food for the Future and I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast and where you get your podcasts. Welcome back. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill. You're listening to Food for the Future. We're speaking with Jill Crossway, conservation biologist from the Nature Conservancy of Canada, about World Wetlands Day coming up on February 2nd. It's wonderful to hear the stories that you shared with us before the break, Jill, but it's also so exciting to know how varied the habitats are right across the world. But we have a day dedicated to um, really think about how the human family is coming together to achieve common aims with wetlands. So 
This show is part of the Our World. I've mentioned already February 2nd is World Wetlands Day. Can you tell us more about it? Yeah, so World Wetlands Day is really, it's a day to raise awareness about wetlands and how important they are for people and for communities. Um, obviously, it's celebrated worldwide, um, but focusing more, a bit more locally within Canada, we've lost about 70% of our wetlands um, in the southern areas, and that's where most people live. In some areas, that's as much as 95%. So down in southern Ontario, we've really lost a lot, and that's mostly due to land conversion for agriculture, for industrial and residential development just because in the past they were really looked at as as waste spaces. The the value wasn't necessarily recognized. But we really know now how important they are for us and for species. The other kind of important piece is that most of our wildlife is needing wetlands for some part of their, their life cycle. Some of them are using it for all of it. Things like fish and uh, amphibians are using using wetlands for their whole life cycle, but others, about half of them, need it for at least part of their wet life cycle. Um, and of course, there's recreation as well. Um, there's still people are using wetlands sometimes for food as well, for harvesting wild rice, for fishing, um, as well as just recreation, going canoeing getting back to nature, enjoying some of those those natural spaces. So World Wetlands Day is really sort of to raise awareness of all these things so that we can think about uh, all the things that wetlands are doing for us and ways that we might be using them or benefiting from them without realizing it. Right. And just raising awareness, as you said. And I think it's an opportunity when we hear about World Wetlands Day is to go to the United Nations website to see, well, what is happening? And there's usually a theme and there's usually uh, a way to participate. And you can go and see what's happening in your area. So whether it's school teachers doing something with their class, whether that's just a family deciding, well, we're going to go, you know, drive here and see what's happening, even though it's winter uh, or whatever it is that we can look up online uh, and educate ourselves on all the wonderful things that are being done in wetlands, but also to preserve them. So the World Wetlands Day usually has a theme. Do you know what the theme is this year? Yeah, it's wetlands and human well-being, which is really appropriate given this this show. And it's it's a great theme for reminding us of how we're all interconnected with wetlands and, and our human life. Yeah, there's lots of ways that people can get involved. Wetlands and Human Wellbeing, the theme for World Wetlands Day coming up on February the 2nd. So how do local projects play into global activity for wetlands and not just on World Wetlands Day, but all year round? Well, there's there's quite a few ways that you can contribute to wetland conservation and to the Nature Conservancy of Canada, obviously working with NCC. Um, that's one of the organizations my go-to of saying how you can get involved. You can volunteer with us, make a donation of money or uh, or land. There's even there's planned giving where you can leave something in your will. And there's also, as I mentioned, a lot of volunteer events. So we do things like garbage cleanup and invasive species removal, planting trees. Um, And then there's also beyond NCC, there's a lot of organizations doing those sorts of things. Um, You can look up in your area, different conservation groups, um, local naturalist groups. There might be local land trusts, like here in London, there's Thames Talbot Land Trust. There's local garbage cleanups. I know in the city of London, we do have quite a few of those that are run in the spring. Mm -hmm. There's green programs. I definitely encourage people to look up the London Environmental Network. There's definitely a lot of information there about how you can help locally. And then, of course, there's always the kind of conscious choices that you can make to be a little more green in your daily life and trying to reduce plastic waste and energy and water use. Maybe you could walk or bike or take public transit sometimes. Um, Just things like that that you can do to, to make 
wetlands a little bit, uh, a little bit happier and healthier. Right. And um, it will be a long-term investment in human well-being, which is the theme for World Wetlands Day coming up on February the 2nd. So what it is, is we need everybody. You've given such a range of things that everybody can do something, however short amount of time or whatever the contribution is that we do need everybody. So in this show, we try to bring the humanities, which includes leadership. It's the human side of enterprise, uh, historically in academic study, to today's food dialogue. And what additional leadership is needed to help wetlands and all the biodiversity that they support thrive? Well, that's something that we talk about a lot with NCC is it's not just one individual or just conservation organizations or just government that needs to be the the solution. It's going to take a whole of society approach, individuals, businesses, foundations, government, indigenous communities. We all need to be working together to help save nature and save our wetlands. So we'd love to see leadership from all sectors, you know, not just conservation and government, but industries, everybody to be looking at this as something that's important. Right. So you had mentioned earlier um, sending emails, going to Nature Conservancy of Canada website or other local conservation authority websites. What education resources are available to help listeners learn more about what we can all do and where they can see themselves in the way forward? Yes, as you mentioned, there's our website, it's natureconservancy.ca, so you can learn more about us and and some of our resources. We have a wide range of of things from highlights about projects to what we're doing to how you can help, uh, volunteer events, all that kind of stuff, blogs as well. And then if you're really interested in wetlands, I really encourage you to check out the worldwetlandsday.org. So that's the World Wetlands Day website, and that's going to have a lot more information about that there. Right. I'm so sorry we're out of time, Jill. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share? Yeah, I guess really just, you know, we are all part of one ecosystem. So each bit is really feeding into each other bit. So wetlands and us and nature, we're all part of part of the same thing. So, you know, really getting out there and appreciating nature. If you don't really do that very much, maybe think about taking a walk in a local woods. There's lots of little local trails. Um, take a look at some of the the species around you. You can get involved by, you know, getting into iNaturalist is a, a great way to, to start learning about some of those species. You can take a picture, upload it, and experts will tell you whether or not you got the identification correct and help you out. So just at little ways that you can start to learn and feel a little more connected to your natural environment. You know, that's fantastic. So that app is iNaturalist. And a colleague of mine told me about birdsong that you can record birdsong and there is an app. I don't have the name, um, oh, but it's, it Merlin. Will tell- it's Merlin. Merlin. Yeah. Okay. So I naturalist for um, identifying species with a picture or visually and Merlin to hear what uh, bird it is that you're listening to because there are so many and it's, it's just fantastic. Thank you so much, Jill, for your vision and all that you do to keep wetlands brimming with life. And I'm really inspired by you and all the work that's being done at the Nature Conservancy of Canada. I'm really looking forward to World Wetlands Day coming up on February 2nd. Thanks so much. It was great. Um, thank you so much for having me. It was our pleasure. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Jill Crosswaite, Coordinator of Conservation Biology from the Nature Conservancy of Canada in southwestern Ontario, about her work and World Wetlands Day coming up on February 2nd. 
Each week to keep leadership growing together in agri-food, we leave you and your family or friends with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about, what could you do for World Wetlands Day? Something to do, search Nature Conservancy of Canada to learn more about one organization's local leadership across the nation for global encouragement. Next week on the show, we return to the monthly series, Back to the Future. We'll hear big ideas from Marie Benz from Loving Spoonful about planning for spring in community gardens. Don't miss the show. Subscribe on Curious Cast and all other major podcast platforms. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, and you've been listening to the weekly podcast, Food for the Future. Thank you to our Platinum Elite Level sponsor, Burn Bray Farms, Eggs for Life. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts.